education means nothing. It's about behavior. 80% behavior, 20% knowledge. You notice I didn't talk about knowledge that much. QVT was the only knowledge thing I said. The rest of it's all behavior. Welcome to the Market Call Show, where we discuss what's happening in the markets and the impact on your investments. Tune in every Thursday on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Market Call Show. This is Louis Giannis. I am the founder of WealthNet Investments. Today, we have an interesting topic, and I'm really excited about diving in, so let's get going. Have you ever wondered why it's so hard to keep money? I recently talked about this topic at the Gittimer Sales Mastery event. Jeffrey Gittimer, who is also known as the King of Sales, had a really great event in Charlotte, and he wanted me to talk about why people have a hard time keeping money and how people who build real lasting wealth are successful. So if you have any interest in that topic, please listen to this podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Also, if you do like it, please like and subscribe and share it with all your friends. Louis Giannis, who has probably had his name mispronounced more times than any human being on the planet, is a financial wealth builder. And he understands money. It's the one thing money, you know the one thing money can't buy, correct? Poverty. Although people have tried, just ask any lottery winner. But the challenge is, can, Lewis came to our Writers Weekend, had a book like this, it's very similar, changed a lot of stuff inside of it, went with our program, and now has this, I think, amazing business card forever. There's another book in him, maybe two, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but the bottom line is Lewis is a doer. Lewis is a thinker, and Lewis knows what to do with money, and many of us do not. Please help me welcome the great Lewis Giannis. Hello, hello. I'm so happy to be here. This is really great for me. You know why? Most of the time when I get to speak, and I do a lot of speaking, it's to like a bunch of analysts. A bunch of guys that are CFAs, financial analysts, they run money for hedge funds or for mutual funds. This is better, you know why? Because you guys actually make things happen, you sell stuff. You're entrepreneurs. And most guys that are in my business, they're kind of boring. <laughs> they're damn boring. And I'm gonna try to make this not boring. I'm gonna talk about why it's so hard to keep money. So Jeffrey said, you know what, I want you to talk about why it's hard to keep money, because it's easy to make money. Some people would debate whether or not that's true. But it's really hard to keep it. So I want to ask you guys a question. What do you think the main reasons are that it's hard to keep your money? Anybody? Financial, so not having knowledge. Correct. Kids. <laughs> I can attest to that. I have 15-year-old twins. Okay. Shopping, spending. What else? Impulse, behavior. Marriage. Marriage. That could be a problem. What else? Taxes. There's a guy in the financial business. He understands. He definitely understands. I had a sandwich with him. He's a smart dude. Student loans. You know, for the younger generation, student loans are killing them right? 
All right, so I'm gonna talk a little bit about my family. Only because I want you to know a little bit about where I'm coming from. That's my wife, Jane. I have my twins. These are the money drains right here, these two twins. And my dog, Lexi, dogs Lexi and, and Libby, right? And I'm, I'm a huge guitar player. I've loved to play guitar. I've done a lot of professional playing. That's my first love. And the reason why I'm gonna start with the guitar stuff is because that's what got me into my business and it's applicable to this conversation. I was really good at music as young, when I was young, but I didn't focus in on academics. And for that reason, I had pretty bad grades, right, in everything except for music. I decided I wasn't gonna go to college right away. My mom was completely upset, right? Instead, I decided I was gonna chase girls. Go figure. But I was working construction, just trying to make ends meet in the summertime. And I was wondering, I was working in these huge houses where it was there were like mansions, these people were really, really successful, and I was making $5 an hour. And I was like, what's different between that guy over there who's driving the Jaguar and all that stuff and has a beautiful wife and all that, and me, I'm making $5 an hour and he's chilling. And one day my, my grandfather said, you know what, I know you're having a hard time, I'll let you rent my house. It's this little house that he built during World War II, in between going to war, different generation. And he said, all you have to do is pay for the taxes. So I did that, I paid the taxes, and there was only one thing in that house, and it was a box, and in that box, there was some books, and on the top of it was a green book, I'll never forget it, it was titled Microeconomics. I read that book and I was like, holy crap, this is what I need, I'll never forget. It was about actually understanding money and knowledge, supply and demand. I immediately went back to school, got a CFA, and did all this stuff, right? So what I'm gonna ask you now is, you guys brought up all the perfect reasons why people don't become successful. First, I wanna mention this. Not everybody is gonna get rich. Not everybody is meant to get rich, right? And money doesn't necessarily make you happy. I've worked with people over the years who are CEOs of major corporations, billionaires, and I've worked with mom and pops. I was a senior portfolio manager for a major bank in the ultra high net worth division. So I've seen like lots of stuff happen and keeping money is hard for everybody, even the rich people. So I wanna talk about how you can keep it. Also the other thing I wanted to mention that it's everybody's obligation in my opinion to do the very best you possibly can with whatever resources that you have. So you need to take your piece of wealth, whatever it is, and turn it into peace of mind. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna be a gazillionaire. So it's about being successful with whatever lot that you have. So I'm gonna have a couple examples of real world people that I've worked with, and I have about 20 minutes, so I'm gonna go through this relatively fast, so stay with me. So I had this client who's a barber, didn't make very much money. He, I think he never made more than $80,000 a year. This guy compounded his money and he paid himself first. He took it from the top, paid himself first, bought one piece of real estate, horrible piece of real estate, but then he parlayed it into another one and he always bought stocks and bonds and he put money into cash reserves. And he kept doing that, good times, bad times, good times, bad times. And he retired, never made a whole lot of money, but he retired with like $7 million. And I just compare that to another guy, same year that he became a client, a successful real estate agent. He was the top real estate agent in Colorado, making probably five to 10 times more than this barber. Guess what he did? Every time, okay, every business is like this. Some moves up and down more than others, but every business is up and down, right? But hopefully moving up over time. What he did is every time he had a big up, he said, man, I'm feeling good. 
right? So I'm going to increase my lifestyle. I'm going to buy this bigger house. I'm going to buy this bigger car. And he, just, he just kept doing that. And then when the down came, then he had to break into reserves. And he never made any progress. In fact, I think the stress actually killed him. So what is the moral of that? The moral of that story is basically it has to do with you just got to pay yourself first. And this is so basic, right? Such basic stuff, but it really makes a difference. I'm going to talk about another example. I'm going to talk about people with not a whole lot of wealth, and I'm going to talk about some, really, some rich people. So a nurse. A nurse came to me 27 years ago. I'm 56, by the way, if you're wondering. And she made probably about equivalent inflation-adjusted maybe $70,000 a year. Her husband tragically died, and she had three kids to put through college. She used the same concepts. And today, she just retired this year, and she has close to $5 million, right? I'm going to compare that to at the same time frame, because I was thinking about this when Jeffrey said, you know, come talk about this. And I thought, I'm going to use real examples, because this is what really shows what happened. This technology executive said, hey, listen, I want my kids to go to the best schools. She actually made more money than the nurse, and she was married to an architect. And so she sent her kids to to get these liberal arts degrees, those kids never made any money. They wound up living with her. She mortgaged her house, and she kept spending her money and ignoring her retirement plan. Why? Because she didn't have her priorities straight. So part of the process is prioritization. I mean, this stuff is so basic, I can't make it any more basic than that. The next thing is the Bob indicator. So I have this client. Similar time frame, about 20-year client. He was a very successful salesperson, great salesperson. He actually used to sell Yellow Pages. Believe it or not, Yellow Pages used to be a great income source to sell Yellow Pages. He had a good amount of money when he retired, but every time the market went straight up, he wanted to get really aggressive. And every time the market went straight down, you know, when it got a little volatile, he wanted to be conservative, and he never got back in at the right time. He waited till he was comfortable to do everything. If you wait as an investor to do things when things are comfortable, you will never do well. I'll tell you that right now. You have to step out of your comfort zone. And the problem was, is he didn't stay consistent to his risk profile. He basically was up and down and up and down and how he felt. And ultimately, he is like struggling right now in retirement. Struggling, and he didn't have to. So even with advice, you couldn't keep, it's his money, right? Even with advice, he made that mistake. So. Being emotional is not the way to go. If you worry about your investments, need to make complex financial decisions, or pay unnecessary taxes, a lack of proper financial planning and investing may already be costing you a great deal. When you are ready to turn your peace of wealth into peace of mind, go to WealthNetInvest.com and click on the Schedule a Call button to talk to us and get a free consultation today. There's three things that you should ask about every investment. Everybody, please write this down. Write down Q, write down V, and write down T. The first thing you should ask is, what is the quality of that investment? What does that mean? How predictable are the cash flows? How knowable are they? And how much can they grow? Number one. Number two, you should ask, what am I paying for it? Right now, and I, I was talking to Jeffrey about this before this market decline. He said, what do you think is going on? I said, everybody's overpaying for tech stocks. And they just, boom, they got whacked this year. So you can have a great company like Apple, but if you overpay for it, you're going to lose money. So buy Apple when the price is right. So, and the last element is T. T stands for technical, and all that means is that 
Nobody ever makes money in an investment unless the marketplace recognizes that that is a good investment and pushes the price higher. So a lot of times what happens is, is you have an investment that is really a good deal, but nobody's recognizing it and there's no catalyst for it to move higher. So you have to ask yourself, what is, ask whoever you're working with, whatever investment advisor or whatever, or if you're doing your own stuff, ask yourself the question, what is the key catalyst that's gonna drive this thing forward? Because you could have things be sleepers for years and they're quote unquote good investments. Does that make sense? What price am I paying for it? Sorry about that, I kind of skipped that over. V is value. How much do I pay for it? So don't be like Bob. Ask QVT questions, don't be emotional, and get advisors around you. So and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna use this guy as an example. This is a rich guy. Here's a guy that started with nothing, bought a laundromat, stacked quarters on quarters, made a bunch of money, bought a parking lot, started making rents on the parking lot, and then he bought a piece of property that wound up being where DIA is, Denver International Airport. Made a ton of money, right? Okay, so the next generation went to these great schools. They went to these like Ivy League schools and they become clients. And guess what they do? What do you think they did? They pissed it away. <laughs> but they were educated. Education means nothing. It's about behavior. 80% behavior, 20% knowledge. You notice I didn't talk about knowledge that much. QVT was the only knowledge thing I said. The rest of it's all behavior, like did you, did you save, where'd you put your money? Has anybody heard of the Talmud before? Anybody know what the Talmud is? Okay. In the Talmud, like thousands of years ago, it was written that you should put your money into three things, cash, cash type investments, business, and it's in this order by the way, business, which is stocks or business, like a businessman, and then the last thing is real estate. Real estate is a store of value. It's gonna hold its value. So if you do those three things in that order, you're probably gonna, and I'm really distilling this down, guys. You don't even, you're gonna do well. No matter where you are in your life, it's your obligation, in my opinion, to just do the best you possibly can with what you have. So ask yourself these questions. How can I start doing that? Do I have an adequate cash reserve? Am I putting money into businesses? Yes. Stocks do really great, by the way. People are like, oh, I don't like the stock market. Made a lot of money in the stock market, guys. By asking those three questions, QVT, quality, value, technical, right? So getting back to this client here, the kids, one of them in particular, like a really good looking guy, he could be like a model, you know? He always wanted to do sexy deals. He'd call me up, he's like, hey, when the dot-com bubble was going on, he was like, yeah, I wanna, I wanna buy a bunch of dot-com stocks. And then of course, I was like, no, please, no. And of course he loses money. And then, then the next deal is like, I'm gonna build these condos in Cabo and all this other stuff. And they all lost money. He was always calling me because he knew I managed millions of dollars to say, hey, can you, uh, you know, invest in my deals? And I did not give him a dime. <laughs> so the second generation, the, the moral of this story, the second generation, winds up not doing well because they didn't get educated by dad. Like dad knew all the lessons. Dad and mom knew all the lessons, but they didn't pass it on to the kids. That, a lot of people lose money that way. A lot of rich people. One of my clients owned a baseball team, right? Son did the same thing, pissed the money away. And then I had another client that was so mad that their kids kept messing their money up that she gave all the money to puppies. <laughs> yeah, the kids would call me up. I was managing this trust. They'd call me up and say, hey, Where's, I want, we need more money. They tried suing us, you know, all these lawyers, and it's like they never got a dime. Or they got just a tiny amount. 
So you don't want that to happen. And that goes back to the conversation we had before about the, the next generation you want to give the money to and then teach the current generation how to make money. That was a brilliant talk, by the way. So now I want to talk a little bit about the 10-foot pole rule. <laughs> so I had this client. I'm talking about greed here. Hooked up with uh, car dealerships, right? A CPA, very successful CPA, very successful businesses. Client comes in and she says, hey, my CPA has some amazing investments. And he thinks I should invest. I'm like, great, let's talk about it. We sat down. He comes in and I said, tell me about this investment. I really want to know what's going on. And he plops one piece of paper on the table and I looked at it and it was letterhead and it said, I made this percent this month and this percent this year. I'm like, that's awesome. So what do they do? He said, he day trades the S&P 500. And I'm like, ding, 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 ding. Okay, red flag. I'm like, awesome. Who's the auditor? And this is a CPA, I'll have you. And he's like, oh, no, no, don't have an auditor, no auditor. I said, who's a custodian? who holds the money. Uh, you know, I don't know. You know, he didn't know, right? And then I told the client, I said, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. I said, just show me the offering documents. No offering documents. Well, it turns out, later on, I had to be on a conference call because the bank that I worked for, that I managed money in, a lot of very rich football players that you would know who they are were invested in this Ponzi scheme. And these people knew what was going on. Greed can take you for a ride. Do not get sucked in. So the whole idea is to keep your bucket full. This is the key to everything. When you're talking about keeping your money, it's not just keeping your money stable. It's actually beating inflation, beating taxes, like you were saying, and beating spending. So you have this bucket, right? And, and your money is being filled with returns and income that you bring in. You're, you're going to have this volatility that's going to shake your bucket. There's always going to be something bad happening, and some of that money is going to come out. you got to account for that, right? So you just need to make sure this is an equation that can get fairly complicated. So use the right who. Find good financial advisors. You could go, by the way, online, and Schwab has a great thing where you can look up independent registered investment advisors, people that are not necessarily, they're not selling you products for commission. You want people who are fiduciaries, we're going to talk, <laughs> I'm going to have to start using what you had mentioned about fiduciaries. A fiduciary is obligated to work on your behalf like a lawyer, like a CPA, right? You don't want to use, that's just my personal opinion. There's great brokers and all of that, but in my opinion, fiduciary, the best people I know in this business, and I've been doing it for 27 years, are fiduciaries. So this is the whole key to success, and it's all about habit. Habit, 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 habit. It's, there's 20% knowledge. If all you knew was QVT and you got the right people that you're working with, you will be successful, especially if you follow these seven. These seven steps actually encapsulate all those little stories I told you. First, you have to identify what the heck do I want. The next thing is you got to, like, where the hell am I? Where am I? Gather your stuff, look at it. A lot of people want to stick their head in the sand. No, look at it, and all progress starts by telling the truth. Where am I now? Next step is you got to analyze your current situation and develop realistic solutions and get help if you need help. Good CPAs, good attorneys, good investment advisors, and that will help you through that process. And then set an investment policy. Don't be like Bob. Don't be the Bob indicator. Have a policy that's going to keep you on track and be consistent about what you're doing. Implement the plan and monitor it. That's, it's that simple, guys. And I know many of you are successful already. This applies to whether you're really rich or whether you're not very rich. So that's all I have for you today. I don't even know if I have any time for Q&A, if anybody wants to ask me anything or not. But.
So. There's generally commission and fee. And there's different types of fee. There, uh, the primary ones that you see out there are retainer or assets under management, percentage of assets under management. Commissions, you may not know exactly what that commission is. That's why uh, you have to be careful because a lot of guys go out there and sell annuities and things like that where they're embedded and there's a lot of costs. You don't see the costs, but they're there. They'll say, hey, there's no, there's no uh, fee. You won't see, they'll say that, no fee, but there is a fee, right? There. In my opinion, the best option is a combination of, the best options are the ones that will pay the advisor more when you do well. So assets under management go up, they make more money, so fee, assets under management. Secondly, a flat fee. A good advisor will not work for free. If you want a financial plan, if you want it done right, we got a CPA on staff, we're gonna put time and we're gonna really look at your situation, then you know, we're gonna charge a fee. So a flat fee plus assets under management, I think is the best fee structure. Uh, commissions sometimes are, are, are must be a part of the equation, especially with insurance, because there's still a lot of insurance products out there that are still only commission-based. But you gotta make sure that you're working with people that are working, it's better to go to the planner first to get the strategy and then go seek out the very best product rather than going to the product provider, if that makes sense. Did that answer your question? Sam, just one question. We, we were in the emotional business. We, as sales guys, we separate people from their money. Yes. <laughs> so in the investment world, how do you put emotion into knowledge and behavior? Where does that fit? In the investment world, so the question is, in the investment world, how do you do what now? The emotional factor. Oh, as a, where would you put that in the behavior column? Yes, it's, it's, it's in the behavior problem. The emotional part is, look, a percentage of us are gonna be very emotional, and salespeople tend to be emotional, sorry. That's okay. The best thing for a lot of people in that scenario is to actually use advisors that buffer you from the decisions. No, not working. Kellen wants to know, where's that money for those dogs? <laughs> it went to, well, they first went to Burkhoff's, and then they died, and then they went to the Humane Society, to the, the, the Humane Society, I believe. Yeah, I, I mean, we're talking a huge portfolio. This was not chump change. It was a big amount of money. Those dogs left, they ate well, I guess. <laughs> episode of the Market Call Show. Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Go to marketcallshow.com for all our past episodes and sign up to get alerts for new episodes. If you enjoyed the content of this episode, please leave us a five-star review and comments. Information in this podcast is informational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision. WealthNet Investments is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where WealthNet Investments and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure.